Sweet. What's up, guys? My name is um, Caleb, and I'm one of the, like Kirsten said, I'm one of the pastoral interns here at the house. Um, they were right um, about these lights. They're pretty bright, so um, I can't really see any of you, so sorry. Um, but yeah, this semester we're walking through Leviticus, right? And I have the opportunity tonight um, to talk about Leviticus um, 16, which is all about this idea um, of atonement. So this chapter is located right in the center um, of Leviticus, and then also right in the center um, of the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. So atonement is this big Christian word that I hope we can all understand a little bit better tonight. But before we get into it, um, would you pray with me? Lord, I pray for tonight. Speak through me. Um, open the ears of the students tonight, Lord, so that they may hear what you have for them. Be, be in our midst. In your name I pray. Amen. So the easiest way to explain this big word, atonement, is to split up the word um, into three different sections. So those sections are at, one, meant. At, one, meant. So the word atonement literally means to be at one with something. And this word is really only used in religious language. Because of this, it may be pretty hard to picture, but I'm going to try to paint you a picture anyway. So this example is going to be pretty elementary, but it's all going to help us grasp um, this thing. So I want you to picture two best friends um, in kindergarten. Let's um, call them Jimmy and Johnny, right? So it's snack time, which is, um, when I was in kindergarten, the best time of the day. Or nap time, it could be whatever, it could be argued. Um, so Johnny, well, wait, Jimmy has M&Ms for snack time, right? And then Johnny has Skittles, right? That could also be debated on which one's better. But essentially, Johnny steals three M&Ms from Jimmy, right? I know, crazy. Um, somebody find him. Um, so right now, um, as we leave this story, there's divide in these best friends. Um, and the only way for them to be at one with one another and to be best friends again is for Johnny to make amends by atoning for his wrongdoing to Jimmy. In the same way, there is a divide between us and God, and instead of us atoning for our mistakes, God does it for us. I know that was silly, but I hope it helped you get a better picture of what atonement looks like. So what does it mean to be at one with God, and why, as humans, do we need to be at one with God? So because of our fall in Genesis, um, there is a divide that was created between us and God, and this divide is sin. So sin is not from God, and God's desire is for us to live in a world without sin. So if this is God's desire, the obvious answer here would be to remove sin from the world, right? So why did God not just remove sin from the world? Well, um, that would look like God removing humans from the world because humans are the root cause of sin. So if God wants to remove sin but keep humans, he would have to get pretty creative, right? God fulfills this idea through what, through what Christians call the atonement. All right, so I have a question for you that I want you to meditate on tonight, and the hope is that at the end of the night, um, you'll be able to answer it a little bit better. So that question is, what does God's work of atonement have to do with you?
What does God's work of atonement have to do with you? So the day... So, um, if you know me, I'm a massive um, Braves fan, right? And the playoffs started this past week, um, and you heard it from me first, but I think we're going to make a run back-to-back to the World Series. I know the Mariners are making a pretty good uh, plunge right now, but sorry, Jason, it's just not going to happen, maybe next year. Um, but if you've ever been to a baseball game, you've probably seen that game that they play on the Jumbotron in between innings. And this game has a baseball and then three hats, right? And the, the baseball would be placed under a hat and then quickly shuffle around. Um, and the purpose of this game is to focus and keep your eyes on the hat that has the ball underneath. Right, so while I explain these Day of Atonement practices from Leviticus 16, I want you to imagine that you are playing this game. But instead of keeping your eyes on the ball, keep your eyes on the two goats. Everybody got that? The two goats. All right, here we go. So, the Day of Atonement starts with the high priest entering into the tent of meeting, which in Leviticus 16, the high priest was Aaron, the brother of Moses. So before he would enter the tent, the priest would have to make atonement for himself. This would look a lot like um, the priest stripping down from his elaborate priestly apparel. He would then wash himself with water to cleanse himself. And then he would put on a holy linen tunic so that he could offer himself humbly before the Lord. He would then bring a bull and a ram with him into the tent to offer a sacrifice to make atonement for himself and for his family. Everything the high priest has done up to this point was to get himself ready. It was to prepare himself to meet with the Lord in the tent. So once the high priest had atoned for his own sins and the sins of his family, he would begin to process the atoning for the people of Israel. To begin, the high priest would take two goats. There they are, right there. Two goats and one ram from the people of Israel, and he would bring them into the tent. He would determine the fate of each of these goats by casting lots over them. Now this means that the high priest would roll dice to determine the outcome for each of these goats. Now these two goats and this one ram were brought into the tent for all of Israel. Right, so after the high priest would cast lots to determine the fate of each of the goats, the first goat would be assigned to Yahweh. Now this goat was blameless, and it was to be sacrificed. The goat's blood would be sprinkled around the tent and on top of the Ark of the Covenant. The sins of Israel were compensated for, and the effects of the sins of Israel were reversed by the blood of this substitute. So now the second goat, the second goat was assigned to Azazel. Right? I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but we're going to roll with it. Right? Azazel is this non-existent spiritual being that represents evil. And now this goat was not to be sacrificed. This goat was to be presented alive. The high priest would speak over it and place on its back all of the sins of Israel. Then he would cast it into the wilderness towards Azazel. Now God's design for this second goat was to take all of the sin of Israel and place it on the back of the goat and send it back to the evil one, 
where it came from, right? Now, these Day of Atonement practices would happen year after year after year, and it was never thought to be something permanent. These sacrifices were temporary and pointed to the idea of something bigger that needed to happen. So, recently, I've been um, trying to make myself watch more movies, trying to broaden my likes and dislikes, and now I don't really love movies. Now, Matt, on the other hand, I don't know, I can't see you, but Matt's here. Matt loves movies. If you want to talk movies, talk to Matt. But this is why um, my movie knowledge is not very well, or not very good. But my second favorite movie is Kung Fu Panda, right? Come on now, that that should get an amen right there. Um, And I've loved every single thing about this movie since I was a little kid. And I'm going to do my best to tell you a little bit about it without giving spoilers, but... If you, like, haven't seen this movie, come on, there's prayer in the back for you after. So, um, so the main character is Poe. And in the very beginning of the movie, Poe er, po is um, proclaimed the dragon warrior by this guy named Master Uguay. Right? And the dragon warrior was prophesied. Um, he was prophesied to come and save China from evil once and for all. There had been consistent evil in the valley for many years, and it was always combated with temporary solutions. And I guess this is a spoiler, but long story short, Poe saves China in one of the most epic fight scenes in all of Hollywood. And yes, I've heard some people talking, and some people think it's better than the Dark Knight fight scene. Um, Don't shoot me, I'm I'm just the messenger, right? So Poe fulfills the prophecy as the dragon warrior by removing evil from China and becoming this permanent solution to China's problems. In the same way, the Old Testament writers prophesied Jesus would come to earth and become a permanent atonement for his people. So do you still have your eyes on the goats, friends? Because this is where it gets pretty exciting. So I said earlier that the Day of Atonement practices were temporary, And they pointed to this idea of something bigger that needed to happen. And that something bigger that needed to happen was, you probably guessed it, but Jesus, right? Jesus fulfills this day of atonement once and for all by putting himself in the place of both of these goats. So remember, the first goat was assigned to Yahweh. And its blameless life was to be sacrificed to make atonement for the sins of Israel. And this could only be fulfilled by Jesus, a high priest who put himself in the place of that goat, a blameless life who would come to earth, make himself lower than the angels, and be sacrificed for the sins of his people. And our sins are compensated for, and the effects of our sins are reversed by the blood of Jesus. Now, that second goat, right, the second goat was assigned to Azazel, a spiritual being who represented evil. And now this goat took all the sins of Israel, placed it on its back, and was sent into the wilderness towards Azazel. And this design was to take all of the sin out of Israel and back to where it came from. Jesus took the sin of the world, he placed it on his back, he was nailed to a cross where he died, and he took that sin back to where it came from. 1 Peter 2, um, 24 assures us that he himself bore our sins on the body, in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you are healed. Luckily, friends, death is not the end of this story. 
Um, Jesus was a blameless life, sacrificed while carrying the sins of this world on his back. And I'm here to tell you that he did not stay in the grave, but on the third day, um, when the stone was rolled away, Jesus defeated death and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> and God assures us that the wages of sin, the wages of our sin, is death. And Jesus saw that through when he died in our place and then defeated death to give us hope. Now, friends, this is no temporary practice that needs to happen year after year after year. But Jesus came to make atonement for his people once and for all. So recently I have picked up a new hobby, and that hobby is surfing. Um, And that hobby is pretty tough, considering I live in a landlocked state, um, Tennessee, and I've lived here my whole life. So um, if I get the opportunity to surf, I kind of have to go for it. So a few weekends ago, I had this opportunity. I packed my surfboard, some canned chicken, an air mattress, um, obviously some Monster, just the essentials, right? And I headed off um, on my road trip. So a little backstory to that week, um, or a little backstory, a week before that trip, I had got a nail um, in my tire, thanks Chattanooga Construction, but come on, um, I patched that tire and I thought everything was a-okay. So, um, foreshadowing, but five hours into this six-hour trip, my low tire pressure light comes on. Right, I pull over to the nearest gas station, I immediately begin to fill this tire that had been punctured a week prior with air. And I wasn't really paying attention, um, I don't know why, but I overfilled the tire, and of course air starts shooting out of this hole that the nail created a week prior. Um, and so I run into the gas station, I physically sprinted, just imagine that, sprinting, while air is pouring out of my tire. Um, I grab a new patch kit, and I immediately go back, patch the tire, and fill it back up to its correct PSI. So I get back into my car, like everything's gonna be good, turn the car, or turn the ignition, and my light is still there. So I get out, I'm like, maybe it's one of the other tires. So I'm running around, um, filling up all the tires, um, get back in the car, turn the ignition, the light's still on, right? So I do this uh, a considerable amount of more times, and um, it just, it didn't work. And I can't express to you with words how frustrated I was in that moment. Um, here I am in the middle of nowhere, Georgia, and I've just fallen $14.50 um, into this air compressor. Um, so I take a breath, I sit down, and I just say, Lord, please fix my tire. So I kept my eyes closed for a second. I opened them, I looked down at my dash, and to my surprise, the light was still on, right? <laughs> um, so I'm just like, whatever, man, this is like, I'm just like, I'm just gonna drive, and if I get a flat tire in the interstate, I get a flat tire in the interstate. So I am turning right onto the interstate, and I'm not kidding you, my low tire pressure light goes off. Come on now. Um, so I don't know what changed between the gas station and the acceleration ramp of the interstate, but God had so clearly answered my prayer. So tell me why at the very next exit, um, I had to get off and I had to check each and every single one of my tires to make sure that it wasn't a fluke and that it was actually um, okay. My response was clear that I did not believe the confirmation I had received from the Lord was enough. How should have I responded to this situation? I believe I should have responded the same way the Lord is inviting us to respond to the atonement tonight. 
Well then, how are we supposed to respond um, to this? So I can tell you how we would have responded 3,500 years ago, right? Every year on the 10th day of the seventh month, where the high priest would have taken two goats and one ram into the tent. And he would present one to Yahweh and one to Azazel. But our reality is we're living in 2022 and the practices and these practices are no longer, longer applicable to us. So what are we supposed to do today? Well, Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, which was read at the beginning, um, teaches us exactly how to respond. And it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, did you get that? Not by the blood of goats, friends, but by the blood of Jesus. Verse 20, By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through the flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith and our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This scripture gives us confidence that Jesus came to fulfill the atonement. Then calls us to respond in three, right, three ways, right? So first, we are supposed to draw near. Draw near to God with full assurance that Jesus fulfilling the atonement was enough for us. Right? Drawing near can look uh, a numerous amount of ways. Learning more about our Creator by reading His Word. Communication with our God through prayer. Putting our faith in the Father that He will do what He has promised us. Trusting God, even if we may not understand everything. Now second, let us hold fast. Hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Our hope as Christians is rooted in the fact that the Lord will fulfill His promises. And this hope is anchored in what God has done, what He is doing now, and what He will do in the future. So we should stand firm with hope, without hesitation. Third, let us stir up. Stir up one another to love and good works. Friends, Jesus is inviting us to community, a community of brothers and sisters who are also drawing near to God and confessing hope in the Father, a community that will hold each other accountable and one that will encourage one another. Friends, it's super hard to live this Christian life alone. That is why the Lord encourages community for us. The Lord is simply inviting us to respond to the atonement by drawing near, holding fast to our confession of hope, and stirring up one another to good works. Now, friends, the creator of the cosmos desires so badly to be at one with you that he sent his only son to be sacrificed for the sins of the world. Jesus came to fulfill this atonement, and he made a way for sinners like you and me to be at one with the Father. So friends, each week we like to take a minute or two of silence at the end of the night um, because this might be the only time during our weeks, um, during our busy weeks, where we get a couple minutes of silence. So after these couple minutes, I will close this in prayer. But first, um, I have a question that I want you to reflect on. Um, and that question is, what would it look like for you to practically respond to the atonement in your life today?